Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sales Masters Podcast. This is going to be the hub for any professional out there who's looking to get to that next level within their business. Not only are they going to be dropping tips, but bringing in the absolute titans of industry. Big names out there, like the people like David Meltzer, leaders of their industry. We're going to share with you exactly how they got there, the problems they faced, how they overcome it so you can use them within your business. We're going to be dropping weekly gems that you can go off to help you get up to that next level. And we look forward to having you here on the journey. Hi, welcome to another edition of the Sales Masters podcast. Today, we are greeted uh, by the fabulous Paul Avens. Now, when I talk about Paul, we just literally, when we're talking about sales and selling, Paul just went through a very brief overview of what he has sold in detail. But when we look at the record, um, a huge backtrack record, what, 17 years of helping business owners generate hundreds of millions yep. of pounds in sales, uh, profits. You're the catalyst business owners seek out when they feel frustrated, overwhelmed, and want to accelerate their, pro, uh, their growth for a potential exit. And um, mm-hmm. coached over 550 companies and just right. generally kicking ass, Paul, right? Thank you for coming on today. Well, I'm, I, you know, after 17 years, I'm, I should be getting quite good at this by now. And I seem to have figured out a code. So, yeah, we're getting, we're getting good at helping entrepreneurs um, scale their businesses. And then if they want to exit for life changing sums of money, do that too. Um, but yeah, fundamentally, you know, uh, at the end of the day, our job is to help uh, entrepreneurs create businesses that add value um, and that solve real problems for customers. And that's you know something I've been really passionate about in my whole career is I, I only sell things that genuinely solve a, a real issue for somebody. So um, you know, for me, it's it's that's how you create value and that's how you create an opportunity to not just get a customer, but generate long-term cash flow and then reinvest in the business and those kind of things. So if you don't have a sales engine at the heart of whatever you're building, then at some point you're going to end up with a cash flow problem down the road because sales is the really the, the, the warning sign of a cash flow problem yet to come. So I always say to clients, listen, if your sales pipeline isn't growing and it's not, it's not getting bigger and bigger, then the worry for me is that in 90 day time, we're going to have a cash flow problem because your sales pipeline wasn't very good. So it's that whole kind of understanding that sales is the, the one that if you're driving that and, you know, as Michael Dell used to say, if you, if you're making sales, you can fix all the back end issues. You can fix the processes. You can fix all the team and the systems. You can fix that. If you haven't got sales, you'll be out of business in 90 days. So. Yeah, and I think it's so true. And I think we talk to a lot of people now that they almost become blinkered to it. They feel that sales just automatically comes if you've got the right product and service and nothing could be further from the truth, could it? Well, yeah. And I, the thing I've always said, people like, I think certain cultures have a real challenge with sales, right? The British generally, we don't like the idea of being sold to, which is hilarious in my opinion, because, you know, we all get sold to by our kids all the time. And, yep. you know, we have to sell, you know, I say to people, listen, if you don't understand that selling isn't just about selling to customers, right? You've got to sell to your team if you want them to buy into your vision and what you're trying to get them to do and, or work late for a project, you know, that's still a sale, right? If you want to, if you're a teacher and you want to sell students on, on the value of education and why they should study hard that's a sale if you go to see a bank now i was was telling the story today just helped a client raise three hundred thousand pounds to fund the growth at the scale of business you know that's a sale we got to sell the bank we got to sell the 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 partner on providing that level of investment and liquidity that's a sale now we're selling all the time right it's just influence some but 
for me, people say selling when they stick a number on the end, i.e. there's a money transaction. And most people have, you know, I'm sure you've got had this experience, have funky beliefs around money and what it means. Funky and, beliefs you know, is right. Yeah, they, they just do, right? Like I did for years, right? Held me back for years. And I think some of the, you know, the reality is that most of us will bump up against what our, it's not our skill level necessarily in the sales arena, it's our mindset around money. You know, I had a client of mine, a good few years ago, I remember this exactly, right? We had a sales team and um, they were selling, um, they were selling, uh, so home entertainment systems, right? Really quite high end stuff. So like the minimum you could spend was 50 grand, right? But the challenge was that most of these guys in the sales team back in the day, when they were doing this, were the average salary was like 25 to 30,000. So for them to mentally get their yeah. head around the fact that somebody- They'd have to was, work for two years, not spend any money they, for a base package. Yeah. So guess what? They couldn't, they couldn't convert, right? Because they couldn't justify in their own head that it was worth spending that kind of money. Yeah. So we, you know, we did some mindset training, but also what we did was we switched out, you know, four of the sales guys and went down to two, but we hired guys who were used to earning a hundred grand a year and they'd come in and of course they'd go, yeah, of course you spend 50 grand on a, you know, an AV system or a TV system or a sound system or whatever. Um, and you know, triple, triple the sales inside six months just by, by putting people in who had an understanding and a, were comfortable talking about big numbers in terms of money and not getting freaked out by it. So I think sometimes you've got to be aware of people's thermostat around money, you know, um, in terms of where they might be at. Because if you're asking them to sell a product that's significantly above where they operate, um, generally, it, it doesn't work well. Mm, very interesting. And even when we think about people's purchases overall, I think mm. it's interesting when people... They might have a 60 grand car, but they haven't spent 60 grand on a car. Yeah. They've agreed to the payments and they might put a 10 grand down. Yeah. And that's a big difference. I think the amount of people when they were going out and actually spending that type of monetary value is so big. Have you always been quite hardwired that sales was good for you? Was it something where it was a learned skill, but it was a layer of confidence behind it? How was that in the early days? Yeah. I mean, I always jokingly tell the story that the first sale I ever made was I sold my collection of Smurfs to my sister when I was seven. Nice. Um, but I actually did it on a lease back deal where she had to keep paying to keep them. So it was quite a good deal for me. Nice. Um, but yeah, but I mean, I've just, I've enjoyed the game of, of selling, right? And, and, and what I mean by that in building the relationship, I've enjoyed that. Um, and if I've got something that I genuinely believe can add value, then yeah, I mean, you know, and, and even um, <laughs> I ended up when I was, uh, 15, 16, I won an award. There you go. Nice. For, uh, for, <laughs> wait for it. Award for, um, winning, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's been a few, but this one was a 16 and it was for um, having the most loyal customer base on my paper round at the time. And, um, you know, the, I, I had this unbelievably loyal customer base because I got very good in the literally the kind of like two minutes when you would deliver the newspaper, pick up the money at that time. Um, and then, you know, you'd have these interactions with people, but it was two minutes and you had to be able to, you know, knock on the door, interrupt them, build rapport really fast, get them to give you the money and then leave and then still be able to kind of, kind of carry on the conversation between what you were observing or what you were seeing or what was said the following week when you came back. Yeah. And it was like, uh, that really taught me that skill of being able to build what I call rapid rapport, you know, cause it's like, it's, you got to be today. You don't get 10 minutes to build a rapport. You get 10 seconds. And it's like, look, I'm going to, you know, the, the journey I'm, we talk about this with all the clients. We talk about the fact that most people don't understand the journey. And there's four parts to the journey that I talk about, which is, you know, you want to get people to know you, like you, trust you, and then transact with you. And what people try and do all the time, and I know you see this and like it drives me crazy on LinkedIn when people LinkedIn me and immediately forget 
the first, you know, I know you, great, congratulations, I now know who you are, but now you immediately assume I like you and I trust you, yeah. so and now you're asking me to book into your diary. Like, excuse me, like, what the hell are you thinking, right? Like, stop doing that. Like, because I'm not going to book into your diary because you asked me to. There's no, I don't understand you. I don't trust you yet. There's no value proposition. I don't know what you can solve for me. And by the way, I don't even know if I've got the problem that you solve yet. There's just people trying to do everything in a hurry rather than going, listen, some of this stuff takes time. You want to make a hundred thousand pound sale? You got to build a hundred thousand pound relationship. You want to make a million pound sale? You got to build a million pound relationship. You know, it, you've got to invest the time and put the time in to get people to go through the first three stages. Everyone's in such a rush today. Like they blow deals because they have no patience. They just will not go through a process. They won't wait. Six, I've had one client of mine, it's taken him 18 months to convert a deal where he's just bought three businesses worth nine and a half million quid. Wow. Nine and a half million pounds. That deal took 18 months. It took 18 months to find it, build a relationship, add the value, and you know, get it to the point that this person felt they could trust them enough to sell them their business. Now, that's 18-month investment. And people are like, oh, that, that's fantastic. Yeah, but you didn't see the hard work that went in to get to that. You just see the glory of this guy's going, yeah. I'm and at any business. single point, it could have gone wrong. Yeah, oh, and listen, at multiple points, it did go wrong. Yeah. Right, it did. Of course it does. You don't do something like that without falling out of bed about half, half a dozen times and you having to put it all back together again. And you know, accountants saying, oh, you shouldn't sell for that and all the other influences that come in. I mean, it's a deal, right? So deals fall in and out of bed all the way up to the point of when you finally get it over the line. I mean, that's the game. It's like, you just got to go, yeah, that that kind of size deal, it's probably going to fall out of bed three or four times at least in the journey to get to where we want to go. But if you don't, if you're playing the long-term game and going, look, it doesn't matter. If it takes two years to close this, it's still worth it. It's like, yeah, okay, great. Because I'm jumping 10 years ahead. But like, it's that ability to go, I understand it's going to take time sometimes to get to my destination and I need to understand the skill of being patient and persistent. And most, in my experience, most people are not patient and persistent. But persistence, I, I 100%. I mean, I think there's a, there's a, we talk about a level of entitlement in life and I think a lot of the time out there, people have just had so much handed to them but there's never been a point where people have ever personally gone through like we we're saying earlier with the mindset of paying for something i don't yeah. think a lot of people have actually worked on building a rela- or had a relationship with them built but took 6 months for something to happen and then them looking back going ah they yeah. just assume oh i did that cuz it was my friend no they worked with me for 6 months for you <laughs> to get to that mindset and you were friendly with them but yeah. there was also a, a progression that happened with so yeah. when we look back with all the sales side that you, you've, you've been through, we were saying earlier about do, doing, the, um, doing sales for burglar alarms in, in the front room to the boardroom uh, sales. Is there a set path where you think there was, there was a point in there when a penny really dropped for you? Or is it just for like a lot of people, it just seems to be a gradual progression? Um, no, I, I'll tell you, there was definitely a, a part where it dropped for me. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I always say if you can sell in the home, which is the most distraction in distract environment with the most distractions, if you can sit in someone's home and, and ask them to make an investment of two or three thousand pounds in something. And, you know, you've got to compete with the kids and dinner and the TV. And if you can manage to make that proposition work, very honestly, selling in a boardroom is relatively easy by comparison. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying by comparison, it's yeah. easier, right? <laughs> so I always think that like, if you can do that, then like that's the one of the toughest environments I've ever had to sell in. But I mean, for me, what happened in my career was that um, 
So I left, so I had, I had this really horrific sales experience. So when I went to work for a, a company, I won't name them in London when I was uh, 18, 19, I, I went to university. So you get this clear. I went to university to study business studies, right? And what happened there was I, 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 I'm dyslexic. So like writing stuff, not good for me. Generally, you know, better now. That's why I've written a couple of books, but generally not good back then. And I, um, uh, I remember being in a classroom and the teacher pulling me to the front of the class and saying, uh, you have no right being on this course. You can't spell business. You shouldn't be in business. You should, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm going to either believe his story about my life or I'm going to choose my story about my life. And I choose to believe my story about my life, not his. And I think it's an important lesson in sales is that you're going to get people who are going to reject you and you've got to decide whether you want to listen to their identity or their view of what your life should look like or your own. And I went, look, back myself. I backed myself. And I was like, right, that's it. Thanks ever so much. I appreciate your feedback. I don't buy the identity you're trying to give me. So like, look, feedback, that's up to you. That's your opinion. You're entitled to it, but I don't have to buy it. And I literally gave my, gave my course notes in at the, at, the, at the end of that lesson, walked out, walked off campus and didn't go back. That was it. Didn't go back at all. And I went and about a week later, got a job selling photocopiers in London. <laughs> and my, my introduction to selling in the real world at that point was that we went into literally, you know, like a boiler room pit type thing. And there yeah. was, I remember, I remember on the first day I was there and the guy goes to me, you know, you can earn a hundred thousand a year back then, you know, and, and drive a Porsche and all this kind of stuff. It was back in the eighties, right? So, so it was like late eighties, early nineties. That was what it was all about. And I was like, oh, that's not necessarily what drives me, but okay. Um, and he said, but here's the thing. There are 20, 22 of you in the room and there are only 18 chairs. So um, everyone who makes an appointment gets a chair. Once all the chairs have gone, you stand for the rest of the day. So this was like, this was the motivational <laughs> message in the morning, right? And it quickly became apparent to me after about two weeks that this whole business was built on the idea of forcing people to buy something they didn't need, which was upgrading a contract. And I was like, I, I cannot sit, you know, for me, I've got to sell with integrity. I I always believe that I want a customer to still want to see me a year from now because of what they bought. I want them um, to like me. I want yeah, them to still... Yeah, duck down behind. Yeah, I don't want to have to worry really about... Ripping up I'm... a newspaper yeah. in the local coffee shop ah, looking over. Yeah, yeah no, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to be in a, in a restaurant somewhere and the client that I sold two weeks ago walks in and, and genuinely wants to, you know, is really miffed at me. It's like, that's not my, that's not my life. I don't do that. So, like, I left that job going, if that's what selling is, I'm genuinely really horrified. And um, I went to work with my father and... Uh, he, he had a business and he said, listen, you can take over this territory. And I was like, okay, great. And he said, it's got no customers. He said, but I'll give you a car and I'll give you, I don't you know, I'll give you a map. That's a great <laughs> sales habit, right? You yeah, can yeah. take over a territory that's got no clients. Well, you're, yeah. you're giving me a blank area. Yeah, I'm not really know. taking over anything, am I? Let's be clear. Yeah, right? you're just but- letting it go. You don't <laughs> use that. You can have it. And it's not yeah. ours to own. Thanks. Thanks for the gift, Dad. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and he said, I'll give you a car and I'll give you a basic salary and, you know, commission package and all the rest of it. And um, <laughs> around that time, I got introduced to, I got, I, if I, to be honest with you, I got dragged screaming and kicking to a network marketing seminar and um, didn't buy into the network marketing business model. It just wasn't for me. But what I bought into was one thing that one of the speakers on stage said, and it changed my life. And what they said was, listen, if you do nothing else, take 10% of everything you earn for the rest of your life and invest it back in training you, training yourself, learn to get better, develop you. You're the product. It's not what you're selling. You're the product, right? So like, if you don't invest in you, how do you ever expect to get better at selling, right? How do you ever expect to get better at anything in life? You have to invest in yourself. Now I bought that completely. And it was like, that was the light bulb for me. And I started buying books and I started buying back then was, you know, cassettes and CDs, then CDs. 
And I remember <laughs> there's a, there's a, I can I vividly remember this, right? There was a set, uh, I used to buy them from Nightingale Kona back in the day. Um, and there was a set from a guy in, in America called Tom Hopkins. You may know Tom Hopkins, right? Big American speaker guy. There were not many, you know, unlike your training programs today, there was just not many training programs. There was nothing online. Obviously it was all taped. And he had this, and he had this tape program called sell like a lamb, uh, sell like, sell like a li- lamb, close like a lion or something really cheesy like that. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I just wore this thing out and I just, and every time I drive around, I was driving 50,000 miles a year and I would be listening to this stuff and I would go, Oh, that's a really good line. And then I would walk into an appointment and somebody would say something and I'd use the line and I'd make the sale and I'd go, hang on a minute, wait. So you're telling me I can learn all the skills I need while I'm driving around. That was the light bulb for me. I was like, you're kidding me. That's so I literally became this insane kind of animal of just like Brian Tracy you know, Zig Ziglar, all of those guys. I just, I had them all. If you open the boot of my car, there was, there was all it was. It was just full of these CDs and tapes and goodness knows what else, right? To the extent that I ended up with this really weird accent that people still today think I'm from Australia. I'm not. I just spent really? four years. Yeah, I spent four years in a car listening to American speakers and it messed up my accent. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> That's one of the best things I think I've ever been told, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> how much how much did you immerse yourself with the person i immersed myself in it just so much but my accent changed yeah it's true that's amazing it's true it's genuinely true but in the space of four years i took that territory from doing nothing to delivering a million pounds a year and um you know back when a million pounds a year was quite a lot of money right so like at, at that particular point i was only what 23 24 and i built i built something to a million pounds a year i don't six figures and i was like wow okay this is really interesting. Like what else can I do? And I ended up then I, uh, as part of that, I, I ended up going to a Jay Abraham seminar uh, in London. Um, who's a marketing legend. I sat on a table. I haven't told the story for decades. Um, so I sat on a table with three other people and um, two of two of us got on really, really well. And the, then three of us formed a company. We went out with this idea um, to create a national chain, a burglar alarm uh, installation company that would do things in a way that really took care of people's homes, you know, really care about the home, care about the carpet, care about the wallpaper, all of that. Because back then, everybody was, anyone who was installing was just used to installing in um, warehouses, right? So I didn't care. So we had this whole idea and we went and raised um, uh, five million pounds worth of funding for it. And uh, I was 26. And, uh, and, uh, and, every, <laughs> and they looked at me and said, right, so you're going to be responsible for running the entire Southeast sales team. And I was like, I've never run a sales team. And I was like, yeah, I just said, yeah, of course, absolutely. Immediately bought Brian Tracy's training. Say on, yes, worry about uh, it later. <laughs> yeah. Ha- immediately bought Brian Tracy's massive CD. I mean, it's huge. I remember this. It's like 48 CD or it's 48 tapes. Coming or whatever in the it was. thick old album. Yeah. 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 I like how to be a great sales manager or something like that. And I just literally spent like the next month just r- studying this thing inside now. And, um, you know, within a year, the business was doing 15 million pounds turnover and I was running a, team, a sales team of over a hundred. And it was like, it was just, it was baptism by fire. Cause like, I, I didn't have tools like we have today about personality profiling and understanding how to manage people based on their profile or understanding how to sell to people based on their buying energy. Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't have any of that back then. Um, so it was just 
But that training I'd done in the car for the years where I'd got the muscle memory, I'd got that unconscious muscle memory just paid off because I, I was like, well, it doesn't actually matter whether you're selling, you know, that was in garden centers, that, that business, this was selling domestic burger alarms in some people's homes. The fundamental issues were still the same. You still had to get trust. You still had to get, uh, help them identify they really had a problem. Well, they, if they didn't have a problem, they were about to have that problem. So it's like, you know, one of my favorite sales lessons was you're, we're all selling problems. I, we're either selling somebody on the problem they've got. Yes, yeah. you're right. I've got that problem. Uh, always saying, listen, you're about to have that problem. <laughs> this is why you need the solution now before yeah. you have it. With a burglar alarm, it's like, look, you're either selling to people who've just been burgled. Well, that's an easy sell because they're like, I've just experienced the pain. Yeah, take the pain away. Take the right. fear away. Yeah, or you're selling to people who've never had a burglary, don't understand the experience, but there might be a fear or perceived risk that you're trying to mitigate. So it's like one or the other. <laughs> this is one of my favorite favorite deals ever, right? So we, we were driving down, I'm not going to name the town, but it was a part of the Southeast. It was a town that was particularly rough. We're driving down this, this street to an appointment at 7.30 at night. We're driving down the street and I'm the sales manager going out with the sales guy. And the sales guy like was not doing very well. So I'm like out trying to coach him and help him out and all that sort of stuff. And we turn up at, we turn up at this house and I'm not joking. Um, down this street, 15 of the houses had metal shutters on the windows. They were that, it was that bad. And I remember thinking, we're not getting in a car when we get out. The car will not be here by the time we yeah, get out. Yeah, it's going to be early or you won't be able to drive it because you'll be on Yeah, we're not driving this anywhere. Was- <laughs> and there was this one house in the whole street that didn't have an alarm. And that was the house we had an appointment at. And I was like, and I remember turning to the guy going, I'm, I'm just telling you this straight. If you don't close this yeah. deal, like, do not bother coming into work tomorrow because you're never going to get one that's going to be this easy. This is the only house on the road that clearly has issues. It's like, if you can't convert this one, you should probably go and do something else for a living. So <laughs> he did convert it, thank goodness. But, um, but it was just, I was, <laughs> I was like, we're going to make the sale, but we're going to be walking home after yeah, this. It's not- <laughs> I love it. I love it. And it's fascinating, right? Because to have that sort of baptism of fire and to push yourself personally into the personal development side, the rapid learning that you must get from that, because you're, you're in a car all day, right? Yeah. You've yeah. got to drive. So you're in a car anyway. I imagine now if we take people and we went, okay, field sales, it's different. If you're field sales now and you're driving, you've got this. If you're in an office or if you work from home, People have to physically choose to not put the TV on, to not True. do this, right, instead. <laughs> and how much, where do you think you'd be now if it wasn't for the tapes? Do you think you would have still oh. gained some su- success with no, it? Or? It, 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 changed, it changed my life. I mean, you know, I, I got hooked on the idea that if I want to get a goal or I want to achieve something in my life, there's a skill I'm going to need to learn. And it's learnable. I just need to put in the time. And, and I'll be really honest with you. The hardest thing about work you know, now, doing what I do now, is committing the time to study for an hour a day because I'm at home and there are all those distractions or I'm out with clients. I love going out with clients or I love driving to the gym because the 25 minute drive to the gym is brilliant because it's, it's podcast time for me, right? Go listen to podcasts. I mean, I often say to people, you have no idea how lucky you were back then, you know, back in my day when I started, there wasn't free stuff that could change your life that you could listen to like a podcast like this. You had to pay for tapes and books. And sometimes that 10%, literally was you know a big deal right like to buy something and you couldn't a- you couldn't test it out before because no. also like you go on and watch a video go that guy's inspired me now i want your stuff yep. you're right. like oh someone said something about this guy yep. that i've never seen anywhere 
and he popped up on an advert somewhere. Random. No, I used to get no, 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 no. It wasn't even that good, right? You used to get sent a direct mail brochure of all the tapes and cassettes back in the day. That's what you used to get come with your post. You used to get you used to get caught. You had to buy it based on a cover. Yeah, yeah. No, you, well, you did. You bought it based on a cover or based on the you know the sales and marketing blurb that was in there. But yeah, you. I mean, I and they were ninety nine back in the day. They were like ninety nine pounds for a CD set, and you'd go, oh, it's a lot of money. And because I, what well, if I don't like it? What if it's rubbish? Well, all this kind of the what I call the you know the buyer's fears, right? So when you're dealing with a buyer, it doesn't matter what they're buying, right? There's there's the different types of fear there's the product fear you know i'm going to buy the product is it going to work i'm going to buy this bottle is it going to keep the water cold that's that's a product fear right or there's a fear like what if i buy it and it doesn't work for me that means i'm the problem yes that's a big one right especially if you're selling coaching consulting everyone it's has a that huge one, one for people because yeah. what if i look i know you've got all these testimonials and all these what about me people. how do i know i'll manage it well yeah what if what if well that's an inner fear of like well what if i join your program and i don't get the results that means i'm the problem right yeah. that's that so you've got to deal with that because it's like that's an internal fear and then you've got the external fears which is like i remember so um, one of my business partners was telling me this he said he said i went into an audi garage garage and it was last december to buy it and he went in uh, Q5, right? And he's like, he said, I had all the internal fears, which was, you know, can I can I afford the monthly payments? All that stuff. He said, I got over those. He said, and then the external fear was, how the hell am I going to go home and justify this to my wife? That was the external fear. <laughs> and he's like, and he's like sitting there going, I'm sold. He said, but that's not my worry. My fear is how am I going to go home and justify this to my other half? And we've got people who we have an external fear about. Maybe it's a business partner. You know, maybe it's the sales manager. Maybe it's somebody. There'll be somebody in our life partner, husband, wife, whatever, business partner, board of directors. There are other people that we're terrified about going and telling that the, about the decision we've made because what if they then tell us we were daft or it was a bad idea? Or, yep. And you've got to deal with those fears before people will go, yeah, okay, great, let's do it. And and I often say this is, this is, this is one of the things you've got to understand people's risk profile too, right? So like if you're selling into some – so I'll give you a good example – so I've got a client of mine who sells into uh, corporates, right? Like Joe, corporate buyers. I said, now, when he sells into entrepreneurs, it's a really easy conversation because entrepreneurs were looking for upside, right? They, they wake up every morning going, how can I make money? I said, but yeah. you're selling to corporates now. I said, corporates, you see, if you work in a corporate, your job, your, your mind, your thought process isn't, how do I make money today? Your thought process is, how do I not get fired today? It's a totally different mindset. Yeah. So like if you go in going, let me show you the opportunity. Let me show you the upside. Let me show you how much money this could save you. Yeah. And the person sitting there going, yeah, but if it goes wrong, I'll get fired. Right. Like that's their fear. That's their internal. Yeah. You're fear. putting your head on the chopping block on a decision. Yeah. Well, it's like they don't want to make a decision because what if I'm wrong, I lose my job. Right. Which is why IBM came up. And if that. it goes well, there's not that massive a reward either. Where's the upside? I make the company an extra two million a year. What do I get? Right. Yeah. It's like there's not the up. The, so the risk reward ratio is skewed in favor of risk rather than reward. So it's just interesting. You've got to think about those kind of things. That's why um, IBM years ago came up with the marketing slogan that nobody ever got fired for buying IBM because it was deliberately designed to overcome that fear, that resistance. They started that campaign and it took off and then suddenly everyone else started saying, well, nobody ever got fired for buying IBM, so buy IBM. But it's like that, that was their idea. It was to get people over that fear perspective of if I buy it and goes wrong, I could lose my job here. And you've got to have that You've got to have that awareness when you're selling anybody on anything about what's the risk here, what's the risk reward ratio, and you know what, where are they at in their life, and what are they trying to do for the business or personally. And and if you don't understand those drivers, if you're not, if you don't even have an awareness of that walking into a room, 
you're going to find it hard to convert anybody over to your way of thinking or your product or your proposition because you're not aware of their internal dialogue. Mm. I think it's fascinating with people, especially in sales and business, and anyone who's watching this back or listening back. Um, yes, I'm probably talking to you. But people forget on that first day. You remember that first day in a sales role when you've got a bit of doubt? Well, how does this work and how does that work? And where do I put this and where do I put that? We have to go back to that mindset of how we were selling a product when you're going off and pitching that product. Because most of the concerns that you're not, most of the things that didn't make sense, what do I do when this happens? And what do I do with that? And how does this part work? They're the same core concerns, but your prospects and your buyers are having as well. And we forget them. We just assume, well, it's obvious that this works like that. It wasn't obvious for us on our first day either. And it's funny how much people overplay that, right? So, yes, I'm going to give you two takes on something that I heard you say, if it's all right, that, that yeah, really help, help clients. Number one, I ban all clients from using the word prospect. Nobody's a prospect. Nobody ever introduces. If you go networking, nobody ever comes up to you and say, hello, my name is John. I'm a prospect. Nobody's ever <laughs> going to do that, right? But like, stop calling people prospects. Call people future clients. It changes the way you talk to them. It changes the way you interact with them. It changes the very energy that you give off to people. Listen, everyone I talk to is a future client if they're an entrepreneur. At some point, you're going to do something with me is my intention. That's my belief. I'm going to treat you like a future client. Whether you buy from me today or you buy from me in three... I had somebody recently, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, who started working with me. He said, I... We lost. He said, let's see how good your CRM is. I was like, that's a weird way to start a conversation. He said, no, pull up. He said, when was the last time we spoke? I'd already checked, by the way. Um, I said, it was 11 years ago. He said, yeah. And he said, I've been watching you for 11 years and I realized that I'm at a point now where I need you. I was like, well, that's interesting. And he, and he said, yeah, so I'm ready to buy. Let's, let's do this. And I'm like, wow, that's an 11 year, you know, from that last contact was 11 years that's ago. A serious sales cycle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, it, but okay. Some, some take, some take a week, some take 11 years. Right. But if you, if you're constantly out there staying in touch with people and you have that mindset that they're not a prospect, they're just a future client. They're going to mm. become clients one day. That's going to shift it. Right. And the other, the other one, which was, um, which was a big one with a client of mine where we, we did this, where they used to say, oh, we want to get you know, 50 new accounts or whatever. And I said, no, you, you, I said, you want to attract 50 new clients, right? And I said, right, go and get going as a piece of work, go and cut out the 50 logos of the 50 companies that you want to do business with in the next two years. And he's like, why would I do that? I said, just trust me on this. I said, you know, you think I'm weird, but do it anyway. <laughs> right. So, um, cause I'm all into the law of attraction stuff. I like the hard nose business P and L yeah. I can do that with the best of them. Right. And I can show you how to buy businesses and sell companies and all that. But law of attraction stuff is still cool, especially in selling. Right. <laughs> so I said, we're going to do two things. Number one, you're going to stick all the logos of all the companies you want to do business with on, on the wall. So you see them every day. Okay. And every time you, you bring one in from a customer, you're going to move them to the left-hand column, to the right-hand column, right? So, but that's, that's the journey. And, and what will happen is the minute your subconscious starts to see that happening, your, your RAS will dial in to find those and you'll start connecting and start seeing opportunities. Number one. Number two, I want you to open up 50 accounts in your accounts package for a new client. Let's say new client A, new client B, new client C, right? right well, one, two, three to 50, right? 50 new accounts. And he's like, why would I do that? I said, because you have to create the vacuum. So, right, nature hates a vacuum. So anytime you try and create a vacuum in your life, nature will fill it, right? Throw everything out of your garage and it'll get filled back up with rubbish, right? Get, get rid of all the clothes in your cupboard and within six months, it'll all be full again, right? So nature hates a vacuum. 
So why don't you do this in business? It's the same thing. People don't do this, but you can, and it works. Create empty folders in your, on your computer system for new clients. Watch how long it takes to fill them. You'll be blown away how fast it happens. Why? Because nature hates a vacuum. And then suddenly your brain is dialed into, oh, future client, future client, future client, future client. And suddenly oh, people just start introducing, oh, you should talk to so-and-so. And you should talk, oh, great. But most people can't even articulate the problem that they solve. And they're wondering why people don't introduce them to anybody. Well, it's like, if you can't articulate that, how the heck do you ever expect anybody? If I said, you know, it's like, and my other pet, hey, sorry, you got me on a rant now. No, no, I like, listen, I like this. And from today, I'm not using the word prospect anymore. Right, and the other one I, really drives me crazy, right? <laughs> that kills sales. This is a sales killer. Absolute guaranteed, right? Ever had this going? You're going networking. You're having a chat to somebody. And let's, I don't know, let's just, just say you play as a graphic designer. Whatever, right? You sell graphic design services. And I'm chatting to you, right? And the conversation, I'm chatting to you. And I go, this is really interesting. I'm really, I'm really just having interested. How much does this cost? And people utter the immortal sales killing words. Well, that depends. <laughs> At which point I go, I'm so not interested, right? Because it's like, if you can't tell me, well, look, we start from 100 pounds yeah. up to up to 100,000. It doesn't matter, right? If that's the range, tell me the range. But like, just to say, well, that depends means you don't understand your product, you don't understand your pricing, and you don't have a customer journey that makes any sense, which means you're not in control of your business or your, or your sales process. So the minute anyone says, well, that depends, I'm like, look, I'm, I, no, it doesn't. You should know that you, it starts at here and goes to here. You should know that. If you ask me about my products, I can say, look, it starts from as little as 50 pounds for a profile up to our top program is 50,000, right? It, that's, the, that's the range. Now, Obviously, if you're a million pound plus business, it's going to start at a minimum of 10 grand because we don't work typically with businesses less than a million pounds. But if you're buying for a team, one of our profiling tools, and you want to just profile somebody in your team, then yep, great. You can buy that online for 50 pounds. I know the price points of my products. I'm not afraid to talk about it. But when somebody says, well, that depends, it's like that means that you're doing everything bespoke every time. And that means you're not someone I take seriously because you haven't sold enough to even understand what your pricing looks like. I it's like so much, and it's just little stuff like this. It's like, uh, <laughs> and people just try they, and they don't want to give a price because they're like, oh, yep. well, well I, I don't want them to be fearful. We'll go. Well, actually, if they can't see the value in your product or your service anyway, yeah. don't. But like, why? but like, why would you not? Do you honestly think if you walk into a Porsche dealership to buy a Porsche, you own? Let's just say, well, first of all, Porsches are really clever, right? So if you walk into a Porsche dealership, two things you should know: we've done stuff with the network, so we we know this stuff. Number one, they they are contractually a, 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 like enforced to never use the word discount. They cannot in their contract ever 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 say discount. You will never get a discount. They will never use the term. They'll do uh, buy a rebate. They'll do um, free like bonuses, but they'll never ever ever use the word discount ever in the contract number one number two when you walk into a porsche garage they will always have one of the most expensive models right the inside the front product. door yep why why because if i go into a porsche garage and i see a three hundred thousand pound porsche in, inside the front door i'm like wow that's that's a lot of money for a car that is a lot of money for a car but then i walk around the corner and i see a ninety thousand pound porsche and i go Seems oh, so that's, much more that's, affordable. that's so much more affordable yeah. than the three hundred thousand pound one and it's like it's just using something called the law of contrast, right? That's the law. It's the law of contrast. And it's like, if you're not losing the law of contrast and you're selling, you're going to, you're missing out because if you, I guarantee this, if you have a product, if you're an entrepreneur, listen to this and you have a product that's 10,000 pounds, here's my top tip that will sell more of your product that is 10,000 pounds. Yeah, 30K. <laughs> yeah, 50K product, yeah. right? Now, somebody will buy it, by the way, because some people only ever buy the most expensive thing. That's just their identity. So they'll go, yeah, great. I'll have that. So you need, you need to be aware of it 
I remember having this conversation with one of my coaches years ago when I started coaching and she said, what's the most expensive coaching product program that you offer? And I went, uh, it's two and a half thousand pounds a month. And she said, well, what do you want it to be? I said, oh, I'd like it to be 5,000 pounds a month. She said, okay, so what's in it? And I went, what do you mean? And she went, well, so if I want to buy a 5,000 pound product, what's in it? And I went, well, I don't really know. She said, well, you're not going to sell it then, are you? I was like, damn. Uh, she was like, right, go away, write down what's in the five. It took me probably 20 minutes to work out what was in the 5,000 pound a month yeah. program. Sold two of them the following week. I was like, because I got clarity. I got clarity in what the hell the offer was. Most people aren't clear about what their offer is and they're going and spending a fortune on traffic. They're spending a fortune on ads and they don't have an offer. And my point with this is, and I'm speaking from experience, I own a digital marketing agency. I, I started it three years ago, scaled it. We'll do a million in revenue this year. Right? I'm telling you now, if you can't sell something face-to-face, you can't sell it online. Because if you can't convince somebody sitting opposite them to invest in your product or service, don't bother running Facebook ads. Like just don't, <laughs> so true. Don't so bother. True. Save your money. Don't pay an agency. Don't pay us. Don't run Facebook ads. Because what the hell makes you think that running a Facebook ad to a sales page where there isn't a human being interacting, even if there's a it's really going to be make any more sense? Yeah. Even if there's a really go out and figure out what your offer is and get your offer right and figure out how to sell ten people face to face and take money from it and deliver a service and get a result. When you've done that, fine. Then run traffic to an offer. But like, otherwise, you're just, you're just deluding yourself that you have a business or that you're able to convert anything. You're not. You're just figuring it out. So don't, be, no, don't, don't lie to yourself. Stop, you know, one of my mentors says to me regularly, where in your business right now, if you're a salesperson, where in your business are you, are you, are you lying to yourself or believing your own hype? Because that's a powerful question. So mm. where, have you, where have you started believing your own BS? Because like, that stuff will catch you out always. You know what? I love it. And I'm not getting, but the word prospect is now gone. They're just future clients, man. And this is the whole thing with it. And this is part of it. And for anyone who's watching or listening to this, it's part and parcel of why I do the podcast. Everyone out there has got something which is either going to improve my life or it's going to give me a really good lesson of what not to do. And if I'm not picking stuff up from people that are ahead of where I am, there's a real problem with our mindset. Yeah. If someone listens to a podcast, if I do a podcast, my po- the idea of a podcast, isn't just to get more awareness of my brand and bring great people in is to learn from people and pick up the experiences and the, the mindset or the different perspectives that we've got. So Paul, um, I absolutely love that. Uh, I can't believe been talking for 40 minutes already. Um, oh, really? Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Literally we've been going 40 minutes already. Um, Anyone who's been listening to this, I know they'll have took massive value just from listening in. As we said before we started and hit the record button, it's about hearing those stories and conversations uh, of real life things that have gone on. And you've been an absolute gent with that. Um, if people do want to come and follow you, find you, hunt you down, chat to you, where? how do they find you? Well, one of the blessings at this point in my life is that my surname is fairly unusual. So it's kind of a good thing, right? So like there aren't many of us online, which is nice. So um, listen, either go to paulavins.com. There's a bunch of free resources and things you can subscribe to, or you can take my uh, 65-minute training that's free on there called the Scale Up Masterclass. If you're interested in scaling your business, you can take that uh, training completely free. Go to scaleupmasterclass.co.uk or just go to paulavins.com. You can uh, download eBooks and tons of stuff, links to podcast episodes i've done over the over the last couple of years but yeah all follow me on linkedin i post content pretty much every single day 
um, videos, tips, insights, um, things that just kind of I do a Sunday mindset post now, which is just what's my what have I learned this week and what do I think can serve you. So, but follow me on social because I'm about adding value and changing as many people's lives as possible. Um, because you know, ultimately, you know, I'm very blessed today. You know, but eight years ago, I nearly lost my life. So I came very close to losing everything, and therefore, I'm on a journey of like as much as I can help make a positive impact on other people's lives. This is what I'm about. And if I can do that in a way that helps people make more money, enjoy their life more, find more flow, and ultimately, you know, reach their limit, their potential, their possibility. Um, but then I'm, I'm absolutely trying to do that in any way that I possibly can. I think I'm going to have to have you on again for another conversation. <laughs> Cause like we've just got to wrap things up, but then you suddenly drop a drop massive. Like, I'm like, I need to know more. It's like a cliffhanger at the end of EastEnders. <laughs> I, I thought I would end with a cliffhanger. We mm. love it. I do. Well, thank you ever so much, Paul. I do go and check out Paul. Go and check out. Go to paulavins.com um, and go and check him out because he is not just a really nice guy, but just a super smart guy with bags of experience that you could all definitely use uh, a bit more of in your life. Uh, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Sales Masters podcast. And make sure you like, share, comment, um, and subscribe and all that jazz. And I'll see you in the next one. Thanks, David. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in today. I'm so glad you popped by. If you've liked this, give it a share, subscribe, even give us a rate and review. Share it out to someone who knows, and I look forward to seeing you on the next edition.